Well, good morning, hey, good afternoon, everyone, and present, and those who are watching online. It's a privilege to be with you again on this Lord's Day. But we're here to worship God, so let us do so as we sing from Psalm 116 in the traditional version. And we sing verses 1 to 8. If you're using the psalmody book, it's on page 395. That's Psalm 116. I love the Lord because my voice and prayer he did hear. I, while I live, will call on him who bowed to me his ear. Psalm 116, verses 1 to 8.
May we come before the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, as we gather here this afternoon on the Lord's Day, we, we truly thank you for dealing with us in this way, in sovereignty and in grace. That we are found here, Lord, not only are we here, but we hope that we have a desire to be here. For we remember days in our lives when we did not have that desire. And so, Lord, we thank you for the day when you visited us with your Holy Spirit. And you drew each one of us to yourself and spoke to us. And we came to believe and understand things that were once hid from us. And so, Lord, it is our desire on this day to worship you, to draw near to you, asking, Lord, that you might draw near to us. For you have promised us that whenever two or three are gathered in your name, that you are there in the midst to bless May each one of us be able to say this day when we leave that the Lord was in this place. We know too that you tell us that those who worship you must worship you in spirit and in truth. And we pray, Lord, that we might be enabled to do so. For we're all aware, Lord, that our minds can wander to the things of the world that we have just left behind. Maybe in this short time that we spend in this building, be able to fix our minds on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and has now sat down at the right hand of God on high, his Father, interceding on our behalf. And so, Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for all that he was willing to do, to suffer and die, not because he had any sin in himself, but because God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever might believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So, Lord, we thank you for everyone gathered here today. We come before you acknowledging, Lord, that you know us better than we know ourselves. There isn't anything that we could hide from you today, even if we had such a wish to do so. For you are, you are all-knowing, all-seeing God that sees right into our hearts. We pray for any amongst us today, Lord, who may be going through difficult times in this difficult world at this time. We pray, Lord, that they may be able to fix our eyes on Jesus each and every day 
regardless of the circumstances. We would wish to remember, Lord, those who cannot be here today, maybe through old age and infirmity, or those who are spending their latter days maybe in an even tight home. But we thank you, Lord, for the wonderful technology that is available to, to us today that they can, if they wish, tune in and worship with us simply at the fireside. Lord, we remember today those who rule over us as we're asked to do in authority in the governments of our nation, both in Westminster and in Holyrood. We pray for them at this very difficult time when the world is in great danger at any moment we don't know when we might be facing an atomic war for man has invented these things and they're available to those Lord at this present time who give us great anxiety for their sanity. But we pray, Lord, for our own governments. We pray, Lord, for those in Westminster where there seems to be a great lot of distress at this time. We pray for those in our Scottish Parliament, Lord, and we ask you to be near to each one of them. Bless those, Lord, who confess your faith so openly and bravely at many times. And so, Lord, we pray that you will draw near to us now as we continue to sing your praise and as we read and look into your word. We know, Lord, that without you we can do nothing, but we pray for your enabling spirit to help each one of us as we do so. Hear us, Lord, we pray, and forgive our sins, for we ask it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We'll continue to sing again now from Psalm 89 in the Psalmody, page 345. We'll sing from verse 13 through to 18. Thou hast an arm that's full of power, thy hand is great in might. And thy right hand exceedingly exalted is in height. Justice and judgment of thy throne are made the dwelling place. Mercy accompanied with truth shall go before thy face. That's Psalm 89 at verse 13. <coughs>
Turn with her for our reading to the Gospel according to John on chapter 11. The Gospel according to John, chapter 11, reading from the beginning. Now a certain one was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, which brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death, it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this he said to the disciples, 
Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of the world. And if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. And saying these things, he said to them, Our friends, Lazarus has fallen asleep, but if I go to waken him, the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had just spoken of his death. But they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you, even now I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha, I know what Martha said. Sorry, I'm having difficulty seeing that. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Although he lives, anyone who believes lives. And anyone who does not believe shall die. Do you believe this? She said to him. Yes, Lord. So God, you are coming into this world who is coming. When she had said this, she went and called her sister. Sorry, I'll read this. She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews had come with her also weeping, it was, she was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. 
So the Jews said, See how we loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him, and let him go. Amen. May God bless his own word to us this day, and may we have some understanding of it later on. We're going to continue to sing God to God in praise from Psalm 16 in the same Psalms, and we'll sing verses 5 to 11. Psalm 16 in the Sing Psalms part, singing verses 5 to 11. O Lord, you are to me my cup and portion sure, the share that is assigned to me you guard and keep secure. That's verse, Psalm 16 in the Sing Psalms, singing verses 5 to 11.
We could uh, return now for a wee while to the chapter we've read, uh, John chapter 11. Now, as we have seen, this chapter uh, records for us one of the Lord's greatest miracles, if we could say that. And uh, in doing so, I think, gives us proof of who the Lord really was, his divinity. There are three persons in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which we call the Trinity. Now, I'm sure many of you today are well aware that uh, John's Gospel, John has not recorded many miracles in comparison to the likes of Luke and the other Gospel writers. But uh, those that he has recorded, he, he, he tells us in great detail, just as he does really with all of his writing. And uh, to be honest, it would require much more attention than I can give it as a, as a lame preacher. For one reason, we actually see our Lord here very distinctly as God and man at the same time. Yes, God and man at the same time. You see him very distinctly as man, with the, the sympathy that he showed to Mary and Martha. You notice very clearly in verse 35, it says that he wept. Now I, I discover that this word which we have translated wept, is a very strong word in the, in the Greek language, in the original, and uh, it's not just a few tears. It seemingly was great sobbing. And when you think of that, when he knew very well that in a very short time he was going to raise the man from the dead. I think, to be honest, that uh, the very fact that death had come into the world was what probably Jesus was feeling such grief for. And then you see him as God, of course, and the power that he shows us here over death and over the grave, and that they could raise a man that was four days dead from the grave. Now, the, this raising of Lazarus here in the scripture, I believe, was first meant to, for the Jews that were present, to prepare them for our Lord's own death and resurrection, eh, which was drawing very near at this time. It similarly took place between what we would call Christmas and Easter. And it was to be proof to them that eh, a man that was four days dead could be restored and raised from the dead by divine power. You see, after this advent, this advent that took place here, at least surely the Jews 
who were at Jerusalem could never say that there was no proof that Jesus was who he said, the Messiah. In the previous chapter, in chapter 10, they were also questioning him. In 10.24 it said, tell us who you are. Are you really the Christ? Well, I think here he's telling them who he is. After this advent, at least those who, who were present at Jerusalem could never say that there was no proof of, that Jesus really was the Christ. None of them, when they went to see the empty tomb on Easter Sunday, would ever be able to say that the resurrection of the dead was impossible. Surely this event should have silenced them from these things, but it didn't, we know. But as far as we're concerned here today, we must remember that we have the scriptures, and when we go to the book of Genesis in the very beginning, we discover that God created man and woman out of the dust of the earth and breathed life into them. Surely nothing is impossible with God. And so the one who could bring back from the dead somebody had been dead to the point of decay surely must have been God. And of course the Bible does tell us that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. Now the miracle itself is described in very simple language and I'm not going to deal on it but what I would like to do with you today is to have a look at some very interesting scenes here which took place and we'll pick them up from verse 38 through to 46. The first one you, you read is where it says in verse 39 Jesus said take away the stone take away the stone why did Jesus do that or ask that I mean, Jesus didn't need anyone to take away the stone. He could have just asked the stone to come away and it would have come away. Anyone that was going to raise one from the dead would surely be able to do that. Uh, he could have commanded it, but he didn't. But you know, when you read through the Gospels, that's never the way that Jesus worked. Right here, as in other cases, when you read through them, you find that he, he always chose to use others in the work, to give them something to do. And surely his teaching here for us today is that his almighty power, which he had, was not meant to destroy uh, men and women's responsibility. Even when he was ready and willing to raise the dead, it seems he was not willing to have anyone standing about uh, doing nothing. So really, what we have to learn here is that Jesus expects us to do what we can. To do is what we can. I believe take away the stone could be used really for us as a daily command which he calls to us. He's asking us 
to daily do what we can. And in trying, if we do that, Jesus will meet us and he'll grant us blessing and he'll help us. And I know that honestly from my own experience. You see, the Lord God could bring all his people in without the use of any one of us. No ministers, no nothing. He could have done. He could have brought his church in, but that's not the way it was. he chose to do so. It was quite different. The Great Commission, what was left by Jesus, was go into all the world with my gospel. Go. Go, he said. And uh, that's what we're all asked to do in whatever small way we might do it. Now it would seem, as you go on here, that uh, look at the words in verse 39-40 that Jesus spoke to Martha when she objected to the moving of the stone. It would seem that the faith of this woman, because she was a very good woman, we know that from the scriptures, she broke down. In some way, Lord, she cried, by this time there is a bad odor, it's a stink. And then, you notice, comes that solemn reply from Jesus in verse 40. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Now, these words have great meaning. The rich. It may be that he meant to remind Martha of a message he sent there earlier. If you go back to verse 4, when he said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory. But I think it more likely it might be to remember Martha of something that happened earlier on. Do you remember when Jesus went to visit Martha and Mary at their home? Martha got very annoyed that she was getting all the work to do while Mary was lying at Jesus' feet. And remember what Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are busy about many things, he said. But Mary has chosen the good things, which cannot be taken away. Of course, courts have to be done. There's no doubt about that. But who would have got to know the Lord better? I think surely it would have been Mary, as she lay listening to Jesus at his feet. You see, Jesus is really talking and telling us about our duty of believing. It's as if Jesus was saying, Martha, 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 you've forgotten everything I've ever told you. What's wrong with you? Fear not, he's saying to her. Just believe. Just believe and everything will be okay. Now surely that lesson taught here is one we can never, never forget either. It's very easy, isn't it, to praise God when everything is going well, when our work is good and our health is good and everything else. But when we get old and the body starts breaking down and the hard times come our way and day of darkness come when it seems as if the sun does not shine anymore. It's not easy then. And uh, 
when these days come and you know they're sure to do so and if we get away without it we're very lucky people indeed we need to pray then that our faith will allow us to suffer patiently and whatever it may be with the belief that if we truly believe in Jesus everything will be okay in the end then secondly there's something else starting here because it must do with about the evidence evidence that was left behind you see we said earlier Jesus could have moved the stone but when those men went and moved the stone there's one thing they would have done they would have seen Lazarus dead not only would they have seen him dead it's obviously we want to be told they smelt him that is something in itself but they would have known he was dead really dead they smelt the odour and when these Jews came as they were came in and said he never died at all you know he only swooned or all this they had all excuses they could say no we saw him dead we didn't only see him we smelt him dead that would never ever leave them that was the proof of what really happened and it was all designed by God so that that absolute proof would be there the third thing in verse 42 we see words that Jesus spoke to God the Father after that stone was rolled away he said Father I thank you that you have heard me I know that you always hear me but I said this for the benefit of those standing here that they might believe that you sent me now there's a noticeable difference in Jesus' language here from other language that was is used in the Bible from the way the prophets and the apostles spoke when they worked miracles as they were allowed to do later on. In fact, this is not really a prayer at all. It's praise. And it tells us of this continual, mysterious communion that was continually going on between Jesus the Son and the Father in heaven during his years on earth and it's also telling us very clearly he was not a prophet which some people thought he was but he was truly the promised Messiah sent by the Father and he's telling them clearly he and the Father were one and the Father always listened to him and always heard what he had to say and in verse, four, in verse 43 you see the words Jesus spoke to Lazarus when he raised him from the grave we read that he said in a loud voice Lazarus come out Lazarus come forth whichever version we read and at the very sound of that voice the devil who was the author of death 
had to immediately release Lazarus. He had to let him go. And Lazarus came out of the tomb, we're told, still bound with grave clothes. And there's hugely meaning in that, which I can't go into deeply, but proving that he was truly buried and bound up in grave clothes the way the Jews did. It was no fake. It was real. There was, he was still taking off the, the grave clothes as he came forth. The devil had to immediately yield him up. Now our small minds, and certainly my mind, can hardly take in the exact vastness of the work which we're looking at here that was done by the Lord. We have to look at it a deep man who was in the grave for four days till he was obviously in decay as restored to life in a moment. Lazarus came out and it had to happen. Now he is proof that Jesus has the power over life and death. He had the power when he was on earth to make a corpse that was lifeless alive. Now for that to happen, Lazarus' soul must have left his body when he died. There are extremely difficult things here. Those of you who knew the Catechism would know that it tells us in question 37, At death the souls of believers are made perfect in holiness and immediately pass into glory. Surely Lazarus' soul must have gone to paradise for a while, for four days anyway. I remember too on the cross of Jesus there was two thieves on the cross for Jesus. One ranted and raved, the other said, Lord remember me when you come into your, your kingdom. Jesus said to them, today you will be with me in paradise. That would not be the thief's body because they had a pit for that for people that died on the cross, but his soul would have gone to paradise. And surely here we have a situation, and people can discuss it, ministers could let me know what to think about it. His soul must have been brought back, called back to join the body again. And uh, it's no wonder David says in his Psalms, too high, too deep for me to understand. And so well may we here in this service today proclaim that widely and loudly that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord yesterday. Lord today and his Lord forever. So as we leave this passage today, 
Let us do so. Let it bring deep thoughts onto our mind. Hopefully, you know, as we're aging, thoughts of comfort, thoughts of peace, because the one who we depend our souls on, the mercy of our souls, has all power and authority both here in earth and in heaven. And if you're not saved today, he's mighty to save. He is mighty to save. He, he has promised that all sinners that come to him will never be turned away. He says he never turn anyone away that truly comes to him. And if you are without Christ in your life today, you come to him for cleansing. And he doesn't ask you to go away and get dressed or change or sort your life out at all. He tells you to come just as you are. Exactly as you are. And when that happens, he'll sort the things out day by day. He has promised to cleanse the worst of sinners. And, uh, you know, friends, when the day comes for every one of us to lie down in our grave, and it might happen sooner than we think, may we be able to do with it full of assurance that the grave is not going to hold us any more than it could hold Lazarus. The voice which Lazarus heard when it said, Come out, will be the same voice that you and I will hear on that great morning. Because the grave will not hold us. It will be heard by all who die believing in Jesus. And the Bible goes on with many things to tell us that it's the day when Lazarus' body and his soul will be reunited again. Your body and soul and my body and soul. When the body will meet with the soul in the air. What a day that's going to be. That is going to be a new spiritual body. Free from sin. And the trumpets will sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed in a moment, just in a moment. What a glorious day that is going to be for all who are trusting in the Lord today. Actually, in 1 Corinthians 15, Verses 55 to it, Paul goes on to say, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, always give yourself to the Lord, to the work of the Lord, knowing that your work will not be in vain.
May it be, friends, that knowing where we're going, but we put our trust entirely in the Lord Jesus, and that we endeavor to use all our opportunities that come our way to tell others about this great Savior that we have and know. May it be so. Let us pray. Our Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have removed from those who trust in you the fear of death. There's not one of us, Lord, but has that certain fear at times in our existence, even as believers. It help us to realize that this life, this place is not our home. We are just passing through. The days are passing faster than a weaver shuttle. We know not the hour or the moment that you come to call us home. And Lord, we pray that each and one of us today would indeed make our calling sure. For those, Lord, who may be still rejecting that call, may they realize that that small voice speaking to them in their ear is not mine, but is the Lord speaking to them and asking them to come and saying, Come as you are. Lord, hear us and forgive us in Jesus' name, for his sake. Amen. Our closing psalm is 118 in the same psalms. We're going to sing from verse 15 to 24. Triumphant shouts of joy resound in places where the righteous dwell. The Lord's right hand is lifted high, his mighty hand does all things well. That is Psalm 118 in the Sing Psalms, page, on page 156, if you're using the psalm book.
Now with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide on each one of us this day and forevermore.